This is not your pal. This is not your friend, your girlfriend, or your buddy. This is your child. And you have to you know, treat them that way in terms of not being uh, hesitant to stick your nose into your kid's business, especially when it comes to online activity. That's our guest, Chris Hansen, the investigative reporter known for his groundbreaking NBC Dateline show, To Catch a Predator. And when you and I were growing up, the rule was don't talk to strangers. It was good advice then, good advice now. The problem is the guy who's a stranger on a Tuesday is so adept at grooming your child that they're not a stranger by Friday or Saturday, and they're knocking on your door. I'm Bob Bianchi. At the Bianchi Law Group, LLC, we are a team of former prosecutors who fight the government when they charge our clients with crimes. Our entire legal team is made up of former prosecutors, and my partner, Dave Bruno, served with me in the major crime and fraud units. And I'm David Bruno. In each episode of this podcast, Bob and I will interview guests who have faced adversity in their personal and professional lives and find out what mindset they employ to triumph. Now, we seek the truth through real-life encounters and candid conversations with thought-provoking guests ranging from all walks of life. Here, you will find how today's thought leaders in their industries faced immense challenges and adversities, with captivating stories ending in personal triumph and ultimate success. All being brought to you by the podcast, web series, and radio show, Nothing But The Truth. Chris Hansen is an American TV journalist and YouTube personality known for working on the weekly legal reality show Dateline NBC, in which he had the highly rated segment to catch a predator that arranged sting operations to meet potential online sex predators. These series inspired several spinoff shows. Recently, he hosted Killer Instinct a show documenting homicide investigations on the Investigative Discovery Channel. He currently runs a YouTube series called Have a Seat with Chris Hansen. We began our conversation with the origins of To Catch a Predator, his latest series, an awareness parents must have in today's digital world when affording children with access to online platforms. Well, it's my pleasure, Bob, and I'm great to see you doing well. And, uh, you know, you can be a guest on any of my shows anytime. I love having your expert legal wit and insight <laughs> and uh, good stuff. Yeah, yeah, we just had fun. So just real quick, Dateline NBC, to catch a predator, everyone's seen that. And always an amazement, Chris, we've talked about this, that they come back a second time, some of these characters. Uh, we'll talk a little bit about that during the show. Killer Instinct, uh, Crime Watch Daily, which was a show I appeared on regularly with Chris. Uh, have a seat with Chris Hansen. The um, Predators I've Caught, which is approaching a million uh, viewers at this point in time. And Chris, I know you got a lot of irons in the fire. You want to tell the audience a little bit about what you're doing? Because I know people love seeing well, we've got a brand new uh, Predator investigative series coming out, Bob, and we'll be able to announce exactly where very soon. But, uh, you know, you talk about the Predator investigations. We shot another one just a month ago. And again, guys showing up looking to have a sexual liaison with a 13, 14, 15 year old child. And some recognize me and some do not. But this problem has become worse than ever. You've got this toxic mix of the pandemic and kids online more than ever before and, and the plethora of social media platforms that didn't exist before. And it's, it's, it's a great opportunity, sadly, for predators to approach children online. 18 years ago, 18 years, if you can believe that, 
when we did the first predator investigation, Bob, in Bethpage, Long Island, we merely had decoys in chat rooms for AOL and Yahoo. And today, the entire mm. landscape has changed. It's, it's exploded. And so we have a much more dangerous situation. That's one of the reasons why we did the podcast, to look back at the predators I've caught, to delve into the cases, to see where they are today, and, and to see if some of them have, in fact, turned their lives around. But literally, literally, uh, just before Christmas, we caught four guys in one night, and, and I'm, I'm doing investigations all over the country for this new series. Chris, I, you know, I, I don't know if we ever talked about this, but when I became the county prosecutor, when I got sworn in, one of the first projects I actually put into place is this guy, Chris Hansen's got this, you know, catch a predator thing. I'm really interested in. We actually reached out to your people uh, to put a plan together because we recognized at the time that it was really a bad problem. But like you like you say, and we actually very aggressively went after that when I was prosecutor, it is becoming exponentially worse. You know, I, I wasn't sure we were going to go into this term, but Chris, can you give our, our audience, uh, we try to do this, target hardening, education, what can parents do to try to protect their children from these kind of uh, predators? Well, you know, having been a prosecutor, Bob, that, you know, part of what we do in any crime is is demand reduction. If it's drugs, you try to demand you try to reduce the demand. We treat some addicts as uh, as people who have an illness as opposed to people who have committed a crime. But in the world of predators, it's much more difficult. We don't have the treatment protocol. We don't uh, have a one-size-fits-all solution to it. So you've got guys who are heavy hitters who you can never fix, who need to be locked up forever. We have guys in between, and we have guys you can fix. And so it's a real problem. The best thing you can do is educate your children. And you have to start it at a very early age when they first go online. And it begins with a discussion about how there are adults online who like to trick children. Children don't like to be tricked. And so that resonates with them. And as the children get older and up until and throughout college, you need to occasionally have this conversation. I mean, we see cases where college women and, and, and even women in the professional world get duped by predators online. And then there's a period where you hope everybody's self-aware and then it becomes the elderly who become targets. So it, it's constant education. And, and I speak at conferences all the time about human trafficking and, and online predators. And, and you just got to keep on sending the message out that kids need to understand that unless they know somebody in real life, they don't know them. And when you and I were growing up, the rule was don't talk to strangers. It was good advice then, good advice now. The problem is the guy who's a stranger on a Tuesday is so adept at grooming your child that they're not a stranger by Friday or Saturday. Mm, and wow. they're knocking on your door. Yeah, Chris, we used to say all the time when we were giving our lectures, like parents would have this thing about, well, my child's privacy and whatever. We're like, look, the predator is literally in your child's bedroom on that computer or on that device. So you need to get away. I don't, I don't know what you're feeling on this, but you need, this is your child. You're responsible for this child. Privacy does not matter when it comes down to these computers because these guys can get into their games posing as an eight-year-old you know, co-player that are really grooming the child, as you suggest. This is not your pal. This is not your friend, your girlfriend, or your buddy. This is your child. And you have to, you know, treat them that way in terms of not being uh, hesitant to stick your nose into your kid's business, especially when it comes to online activity. And again, you know, the pandemic is an excellent example of it. Kids are learning online. They're 
recreating online. They're relaxing online. They're online for more hours of the day than we'd like to admit. And again, that creates opportunities. It isn't just a chat room for creepy guys. It's every social media platform you can think of. Uh, the dating ones included. Kids are curious. They're going to go to different places, and it makes them a target. Yeah. I want to talk about this uh, Predators I've Caught podcast. Um, what's the structure, the format there? I mean, you dip into old footage, but... Do you do interviews of the predators themselves? We, we are attempting to do some of the interviews with the, the predators I've caught. Um, as you can imagine, many of them are reticent to agree to such an interview. I'm working on a couple. Uh, there are talks well underway, and I think some of the more notorious ones are going to ultimately appear on the podcast. But mostly it's an opportunity for me to go back and immerse myself in these cases. So I read all the transcripts, I watch all the videos, I look at things that maybe didn't air in the original series. And I then have my team research where this person is now, what they're doing, if they've been in trouble or have they reoffended, how many other things have they done that we now know about? Because you, you gotta remember when these confrontations happen, yes, we know something about their background. Yes, we know if they've got a criminal history in most cases, or if they have a permit to carry a pistol in most cases. But it happens like that. And sometimes we're only chatting with a guy for 15 minutes and he's there. So I have to do the best I can under the glare of you know what's happening. And it's not until many years later where you take a deep breath and you immerse yourself into it and then you share that with the audience and it becomes very experiential and it's mm. resonated with you know the people who followed my work for many years. And, and I'm very fortunate because I have a very loyal, loyal following. And it's become very popular to, to those, not just in the TCAP community, but now two or three generations of people who watch these shows for a lot of different reasons. Chris, I, I think that you are one of the best assets that law enforcement has had because you brought this to people like me who wound up getting into that job, to this, this to our attention and a manner in which we can go about investigating. And I know you're really close <clears throat> with police officers throughout the country. You know, one of the things we did, Chris, and uh, I'm not sure if you've ever seen this anywhere else, is that some of these cases aren't necessarily multiple state year prison sentences. Some are, some aren't. And there is a process, Chris, as you know, of plea bargaining that goes on in the criminal justice system. So there's two choices, a plea bargain, the defendant either accepts it or the case goes to trial and, it, and they're convicted. So the plea bargain process is there. What I started doing was implementing a, a situation. I'm curious if you've seen this anywhere, if you want to steal the idea and tell it to your colleagues, go ahead and do it, that before we would consent to a plea offer in a case, they would have to consent to sitting down with the psychologist that we had employed in order to get data from them. Also, how did they do it? How did they go about it? What were the mechanisms that they used? And also the psychological background of that individual. Have you ever seen that anywhere else? I have not, uh, to be honest with you. I know it happens at the federal level. I know there are some people who are very involved in the treatment and analysis of, of predators and pedophiles. I know Michael Burke at the U.S. Marshal's Office is a psychiatrist who's done a lot of work in this field, and I've had the opportunity to interview him, and it's very impressive. I was at a conference a few weeks ago in Houston, and there's a husband and wife therapy team who operates out of Texas who does a lot of work in this area, which is very interesting to me and i'm going to have them on the podcast as well but i think it's i think 
you're right. I think that should be a critical component of virtually every plea bargain agreement in America, because too often what you see is, and especially during the pandemic, when nobody was actually going to court, all these things were uh, done remotely. They're issuing desk tickets here in New York for all kinds of crimes. It was happening all over the country. And, you know, these guys were were skating and they, they were there were a lot of pleas that went through. Uh, that wouldn't have outside of the pandemic. And so there wasn't this follow-up. There wasn't this attempt to create a database that I think is very worthwhile. And I've always said, look, the more you can get into a predator's mind and understand how it works and combine it with hearing the voice of the victim, you can prevent other people from becoming victims. And people always ask me, do you ever feel like you want to punch one of these guys or tackle them or do whatever? And of course, as a parent and as a citizen, uh, besides being a journalist, you're outraged at this behavior. But my job is to get in their head. Anybody can jump out from behind a curtain or from behind the bushes and create 10 seconds of dramatic television. That's not what I'm supposed to do here. My job is to get these guys to talk and get that better understanding that you're pleased, uh, focused on and demanded. And, and I'm sure that database was very helpful at the time. Wow, that's uh, amazing, Chris. Again, uh, we're a forerunner of this. You're continuing to do this great work. Uh, awesome guy, Chris Anson, good friend, journalist, TV personality, and person who has made such a significant difference in the lives of people. Because there's no question in my mind, Dave, that Chris's work has caused people not to be victimized. And then that's the important thing. Not, not only that, I think there's a tremendous deterrent that he is responsible for as well. Just getting this out there. I mean, I look back and I think it was probably my first experience with these predators, understanding what's happening behind the scenes. Back in the day, I was a young individual even before I even thought about law school. So Chris, thank you not only for affecting individuals that may have done something, but actually teaching all of us that this danger is out there. And and Chris, to to realize that Dave at one point in time was a young individual is is really, um, you know, I kind of feel the same way. I was once a young individual too. But uh, anyway, Chris, before you answer that, we have somebody, our program director, Donna Darlington, first time on screen, first time on the radio. She has been dying. Oh, I can't wait that Chris Hansen's on. I can't wait that he's on. So, Donna, get over there next to Dave Bruno and ask Chris Hansen your questions. Can, I, can you see me? Yeah, we got Hi. you. Hey, hey Donna, Chris. how are you? How are you? I'm well, great, thank you. So, our question, we've been talking about it in the office, is so after you were done with the segments um, on Catch a Predator, when the camera's turned off, like, what would happen? Like, were the police there? Would they arrest them? Like, what? What? Well, yeah, would in the in the after, in the beginning, Donna, we didn't we didn't have a collaboration with the law enforcement. So, in the first two investigations, the guy would just leave. And in some cases, the very first investigation, there was a Brooklyn firefighter who surfaced. He was arrested, prosecuted. In the second case, there was a rabbi and several others who were prosecuted uh, in, in Fairfax County, Virginia, outside of Washington, D.C. It was in the third investigation where we first collaborated with law enforcement, in that case, the Riverside County Sheriff's Department in California. And from then on, we've sort of evolved into collaborating with law enforcement. Now, you know, I was criticized in some corners of the journalistic world for working too closely with the police, but I'll say this. We, A, had to be socially responsible, and these guys needed to face justice. So if we got into a gray area, I was okay dealing with it, and I continue to be today. And B, as a television producer, uh, somebody who creates his content, it was very unfulfilling for the viewer to see these guys just walk off into the into the sunset twirling an umbrella. 
So for those two reasons, I felt justified in working and fashioning a way of working with law enforcement. And we do that to this very day. In fact, you know, including the very last investigation a month ago that'll be on the new series. So we need to do that. But in terms of anything that you didn't see, any outtakes that were overly dramatic or crazy or violent, no. Virtually everything that happened in real life has been shown on television. Um, anything that was edited out was for time or editorial reasons, but but we 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 have never held anything back on that show. Okay. Well, thank you, thank you so much for answering. I really well, thank appreciate you. It. Thank you for keeping these two guys in line, Donna. Right? Yeah, I think I think if you were here, Donna, she she <laughs> yeah, she'd be having you sign in all sorts of things, oh, shirts and uh, <laughs> all right. Hey, Chris, um, <clears throat> go ahead, Dave. You have questions? Yeah, sure. <clears throat> um, Chris, how did this concept come about? I mean, 18 years ago, it's AOL. I mean, it's a completely different technological situation. Who came up with this? How did it get there? I became aware of the online watchdog group, Perverted Justice. And what Perverted Justice would do, its volunteers would go online and they would set up profiles that were unmistakably of underage uh, people, kids, and they would just sit in these chat rooms. And if they got hit on by an adult and a sexually charged conversation took place and a meeting was set up, they would post that information on their website in an effort to create some sort of deterrence and I suppose shame and embarrassment. Some of those cases were picked up by law enforcement and there were prosecutions. Now, right around this time in 2014, I got wind of this and we reached out to uh, Preferred Justice and said, look, would you collaborate with us? And I figured if we could combine their talents, their abilities to be decoys in chat rooms with our ability to wire a house with hidden microphones and cameras, it could be very compelling. And in fact, it was. Now that first mm -hmm. investigation, obviously I didn't know if anybody was gonna show up and I was driving out to Bethpage, Long Island, got caught in traffic and I'm you know, starting to think, what if I've just wasted tens of thousands of dollars of the network's money? And suddenly the phone rang. It was my producer saying, where the hell are you? Two guys are going to show up in 45 minutes. And it was nonstop. Uh, at the end of that investigation, we had 17 guys who showed up in two and a half days. It hasn't ended in the 18 years since then. So that's how it got started. And we've evolved it, obviously, to deal with the different social media platforms, to deal with the necessity of having law enforcement involved, and to, you know, continue to create this awareness and dialogue that didn't exist before. And it's it's constantly evolving, it's constantly changing, and, and we have to adapt with each law enforcement agency uh, with which we collaborate and, and in different settings and homes and hotels and things of that nature. Sure. Hey, look, uh, we talk about mindset on this show in the office. Uh, our last guest, Christine Nielsen, calls it mind dynamic. Um, but tell us, man, you're sitting in the kitchen. This, this guy's coming in. He may have beer and condoms, etc. What's the mindset you're going through? sitting on that stool waiting for that or individual weapons. to come through yeah. yeah or weapons i mean we try to do a pretty good check we've had we've had situations where you know we knew the guy was talking about carrying a weapon or was licensed to carry a weapon or made some sort of you know statement that we deemed threatening and in those cases the police will take them off before they walk into the house and we'll try as best we can to construct the backstory but generally yeah they come in 
we don't know 100% what the deal is, but I'm watching their hands. I'm reading their body language. I'm trying to get them to sit down. First of all, get control of the situation. I never sit. I stand so I can you know, tower a little bit. And then it's a matter of starting this dialogue and, and cracking the shell and getting them to talk. And there have been a number of cases where there were monosyllabic answers and, and little by little, I work my way in there and get them to tell me what the real story is. And sometimes these guys are just caught. They're relieved. They spill everything. Sometimes they lie their asses off. And, you know, we hear the same excuses over and over again and the same uh, story about, well, I was just worried about the girl. I mean, the same story that I've heard a hundred times just in the last investigation. I came here to help this girl. She was going down a bad path and I was going to counsel her. It's like, well, what? <laughs> then why did you bring condoms and and uh, all this other stuff that you had to uh, complete your your plot here? It's uh, it's astounding. But Chris, also, uh, you know, I'm, I'm focused and I'm trying to create a dialogue. Chris, I'm curious. Uh, we never, I never asked you this question. Did anybody ever see you on the street, recognize you, and just run away? Um, not that I'm aware of. I've had multiple situations in stores and things over the years where, you know, people have had contact with me and I've seen them start to sweat and get nervous and. And I've looked at him and said, you okay? And he said, well, you doing an undercover investigation on me? I said, no, no. Do you have reason to be worried? Should I be? <laughs> you know? You're right. Wow. <clears throat> Last minute Christmas gift here. You know? Yeah, that's that's crazy. Well, Chris, we have a short period of time left. I do want to ask you something uh, personal. And this nothing but the truth is I, I try to high profile individuals or people that have a high profile job, like being the prosecutor, or you certainly with the journalism comes with it a lot of blowback, right? You, you talked about journalists who were like, well, you're not doing the right thing, which is amazing to me here from journalism, given today's standards. Um, and, and they always want to take out the big dog or somebody's accusing you with something you didn't do. Uh, talk. I, I like to ask our famous guests like yourself, how do you mentally or emotionally deal with that kind of stuff that goes on in your life. I mean, I found it very difficult and I had to find my own path to get around the, the fake allegations of people just trying to hurt you for the sake of hurting you. How did you do that? Well, I, I think you have to stay above it. And I don't mean to make it sound simple or to make anybody think that I figured this out uh, early on in the process, but you do have to stay above it. You have to know that what you're doing is worthwhile is important and it comes from a good spot. Now, along the way, if somebody tries to dust you up for whatever combination of reasons, you have to have the confidence to keep moving through it. And if there is a mistake that somebody in your circle has made, you have to own up to it, uh, fix it and, and move forward. Uh, but you also have to realize that because of who you are, the high profile nature of what you do and the, the style of, of the way you do it, it makes you a target. And so you have to live in a way that that sort of protects yourself. You know, you, you have to take that extra step. You have to make sure that everybody around you who is, you know, negotiating or working on deals or who, who you rely upon to do certain, you know, everyday stuff is actually doing it. Mm -hmm. And you need to make sure that those people around you are, you know, straight up honest people who have your best interests at heart. And as long as you do that, 
you know, you start to develop this layer of Teflon to where, all right, well, of course that person's going to say that because look at who they are, or they're going to try and take you down because you expose them. And in, in today's digital world, you may take somebody down or do a story on somebody who is capable of manufacturing an entire misinformation campaign about you. And you can either chase that around, you can try to argue with the person, and that's all they want. They want to draw you into the fray because if they draw a guy like me into the fray with, you know, hundreds of thousands of followers, that gives them credibility. And so you can't fall into the trap of getting into that kind of a fight. You have to stay above it and know what you're doing is right. And have the confidence in your ability to continue to do it. And it, it you, you, you only get, need to get drawn into it once and realize, oh, geez, what have I done? You know, why, why am I even talking to this guy? Stay yeah. above it. Do it Chris, uh, great answer. We we got to wrap up. But how can people find you? And what do you what two uh, series that you're working on? Just tell us uh, real quick, so they know where to get podcast on all podcast platforms. Uh, we've got two series out on Discovery Plus: Unseemly, the Peter Nygaard investigation; Onision in real life, compelling dramas. You need to see them. The Predator investigations are coming out soon. I'll be able to have an announcement very soon on where that's going to be, and a couple other network deals in the works. Sure, guys. Not only is this on the radio, it's also on podcast and we take video as well. The video series is available. Nothingbutthetruthpodcast.com. You subscribe to the podcast, watch the videos, watch my man, Chris Hansen. It's, it's something to watch for sure. Thank you, Chris. Bye, Chris. Thanks, guys. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me. All right. Again, we want to give a great thank you and much praise to Chris Hansen, an awarded journalist, with over two decades of serving the public to protect our children. Chris shed some wisdom when he said, on human trafficking and online predators, keep on sending the message out that kids need to understand that unless they know somebody in real life, they don't know them. Keep on sending that message out. That is right, Chris. You've been listening to Nothing But The Truth Podcast with me, David Bruno, and my law partner and host, Bob Bianchi. We are two former prosecutors and media personalities. If you enjoyed this episode, I'd really appreciate it if you could leave a review, share the podcast to anyone that would benefit from these stories of rising from adversity and thriving for ultimate success. For more information on this interview, to see the show notes in this episode, or visit our page, nothingbutthetruthpodcast.com for more information and episodes to watch and listen to all in one place.